Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode 23 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast for Sunday, December 4, 2011. On tonight's show, what is good social media content? I've been pondering that for the past uh, few days. I'll bring my perspective from five years in social media. Also, some uh, news stories from this past week. And finally, why does family medicine rock? I'll share something from work this week coming up on episode number 23 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians, Dr. Glenn Street. Um, this year, one of my commitments and, and a great interests is to be more engaged with you as leaders, chapter leaders, uh, and, and our frontline membership. Uh, on, on Monday, a Twitter handle, I'm privileged to be the first one to hold, uh, at AFP Prez, P-R-E-Z. I already have 29 followers. I feel so proud. Um, I have a long, long way to go to catch up to uh, our current student board member, Kevin Bernstein, who has a little over 1,000. Um, and our, uh, our king of family medicine social media, uh, Mike Sevilla, who has uh, nearly 7,000 uh, members. the show that is passionate about medicine and social media. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. I'm your host, the friendly family physician. My name is Mike Savella, family physician and social media enthusiast. What is this show about? I get that question a lot. I just tell people uh, this show is basically about my journey through social media uh, as a family physician. I've been working on that for the past few weeks. Still don't know what the show's about. Anyway, uh, check out the website at uh, familymedicinerocks.com and uh, join us on uh, Twitter. Shout out to all 7,845 people following me on Twitter. I don't know why, but uh, thank you very much for that. And uh, shout out to all 294 people who follow the Facebook page to this show. Thank you for that as well. Today is Sunday, December 4, 2011. It is 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, temperature here at Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters is uh, 54 degrees Fahrenheit. So how has your weekend been there, kids? I was going to do this show last night, but uh, <laughs> I just I fell asleep. <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> so I'm doing this show here uh, tonight, and... Uh, uh, this is uh, and let me just say this right now if if you're looking for an entertaining show if you're looking for something that's uh <laughs> valuable to your life i would just uh stop listening right now 
<laughs> because uh, this show, I don't know what's going on with this show. Uh, I just, uh, I know I just like talking in front of this microphone here and uh, just blabbering on about nothing really important. Uh, so, so let me just lower your expectations here right now, because if you're looking for something entertaining, uh, there's probably something else on Twitter or on Facebook or on television for those of you who still watch TV out there. Uh, but uh, my weekend's been going uh, pretty well. Uh, most of it has been just trying to catch up on normal work stuff. But uh, it was a nice weekend here in beautiful northeastern Ohio. And uh, the first uh, weekend here uh, of uh, <laughs> deer season, gun season, you know, in semi-rural America here in northeastern Ohio. And uh, nothing like being woken up to the sound of gunfire uh, out of outside your house. <laughs> Uh, but I've been kind of in a self-reflective mood for the past uh, few weeks, so uh, so the energy level of this show is not going to be uh, very very high. <laughs> uh, so, um, but I've been looking forward to 2012 and uh, what I can do with that, what I can do with the website, what I can do with this podcast here, and uh, what I'll be talking about in a few minutes here is uh, just what is good content. What do you think good content here is? You know, it's it's, it's definitely changed. Uh, in the past uh, five years since I started uh, uh, social media and blogging and things. So I'll talk about that. I'll also be talking about some uh, news stories here from the past week, some commentary on that. And finally, uh, you know, family medicine rocks. You know, what is that about? You know, what, what, is, uh, what, what does that mean uh, to me? And uh, something from, uh, uh, from work this past week. Uh, so first, I want to thank uh, Blog Talk Radio for uh, having me as a featured host. I don't know why, but uh, thank you so much uh, for that. I've been a, a social media hobbyist since 2005, uh, including over uh, 200 of these uh, Blog Talk uh, radio shows. Uh, and if you're curious, yes, I am a, a real doctor. I'm a, a family physician here in a full-time private practice, uh, meeting I see patients uh, five days a week in the hospital and in my office uh, here in beautiful northeastern Ohio. So I'll take my break here and... Uh, We'll be continuing. Uh, you're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, the unofficial podcast of the uh, Family Medicine Revolution. What's that all about? Just uh, Google FM Revolution to find out more information. Also, a member of the uh, Proma Network of podcasts. You can get there by going to uh, probanetwork.com, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Medicine's leading voice in social media in my own mind. This is the Family Medicine Rocks uh, podcast uh, here on a, a Sunday night here on the uh, Block Talk Radio Network. And uh, first topic here this evening, you know, what is good content? You know, uh, this seems like a, a very 101 uh, <laughs> type of question. Uh, but sometimes I just like going back to some basics, going back to some just some social media basics here, because uh, 
case people don't know, you know, I've uh, been involved in social media going all the way back to 2005, down to the dark ages of social media, <laughs> at least from a healthcare perspective. And, uh, you know, I, I was a blogger back then, you know, and, and uh, I wrote about, uh, you know, stuff that was interesting to me. You know, I talked a little bit about uh, uh, clinical contact. I've talked a little bit about uh, patients. Uh, yes, I talked about patients, which I know was a bad thing, uh, but I talked about patients back then. A good storytelling, nothing like a good story out there on social media. But I've seen some trends out there, you know, especially in the past uh, couple of years. And, uh, you know, it's I think, and people are going to, you know, call me uh, wrong about this, but, uh, you know, this healthcare social media space, you know, it's, uh, maybe it's just me, but, but it seems like it's getting, it's getting a little crowded out there. You know, there's, there, there's a lot of people out there, you know, that are, that are doing stuff that are just kind of cluttering up the whole thing. I don't know. But, you know, it's, There's a lot of kind of copycat content out there. There's a lot of Me Too content. There's like, hey, I'm doing the same thing that other people are doing. You should, like, you know, give money to me. You should give me more hits. You should, uh, you know, you, you should, uh, you, you know, uh, subscribe to my blog. You should follow me on, on Twitter and Facebook. And the other thing I'm seeing out there, there's a lot of there's a lot of self promotion out there, you know. And, and you know, I do some of this stuff too, you know. But back four or five years ago, I mean, did, did people remember seeing this much out there? I mean, it's it's getting it's getting a lot harder to filter out stuff, you know. It's getting more and more difficult to say, hey, you know, what is the real quality content, and what is just gibberish? What is just being recycled content? Um, about what other people are saying. Well, well, you know, what is what are things that are just linking to to other people? What are things that are just copying and pasting to your own blog, so you can have you know the same content as somebody else, but you get the hits uh, for the uh, for the blog, you know, so so you can try to get some you know advertisement or monetization. What, what what is that 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 out there? I don't know. Maybe it's just not me, but I you know I I'm just not seeing a lot of innovation and creativity out there for the past few months. Maybe I'm looking in the wrong place. I mean, if, if, you know, if, if you know people who are doing this, if you want to tell me I'm wrong, just go to familymedicinerocks.com and tell me that I'm wrong. But it's, it's just, it's getting a lot more difficult to kind of see, you know, what is the really good stuff? What is the really creative and innovative things that are going out there right now? Now, I know people out there, they're going to see me as, as whining, you know, or, or, or being jealous of other people who are more Internet famous than I am. Not that I'm really famous. You know, but I don't know. You know, maybe it's just something that's crazy. Maybe it's just something that I'm not really picking up here. But it's just, it, it seems like there's, it's a, there's a lot more clutter that is going on out there versus a few years ago. Maybe it's just all the people out here now. I don't know. Um, but, but it seems like to me that there could be a lot more going on in healthcare social media. We can go deeper with this, you know, not all this copycat stuff and saying, you know, I, I, I can do this a little bit better than, than they can. You know, where's the innovation out there? You know, what, what, you know, what, what is, you know, and, and what is really driving this for me is, is that, 
you know, I'm kind of reevaluating what I want to do next year. We, what, I want to, what do I want to do in 2012, you know? Do I want to carry on and do the same thing, you know, just kind of phone it in, you know? Uh, but I want to do something different. I want to do something innovative. I want to do something creative. I want to do something that has never been done before, you know? And, and, and that's what I've been kind of doing over the past, uh, past uh, you know, few days and few weeks. And some of the crazy things that, that that I'm thinking about is, you know, I really think, and I've been saying this for about, you know, a couple of years or so, that 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 the, you know, that social media, especially healthcare social media, it, that video is really in the future. You know, video, real time streaming, real time video, and I've really been trying to learn how to do that better. You know, how how to do video better, how to do editing better, how to do. You know, how to be a really good storyteller, you know. Um, you know, I don't want to go to journalism school. You know, I don't want to have to learn, you know, storytelling that way. There's got to be a way to do it. There's got to be a, a way to do it by learning, you know. And, and that, that's one of the things I'm going to be pushing myself to do over the next year. You know, you know what, are, what are some of your goals, you know, for, for, for 2012 when it, comes, when it comes down to social media, when it comes down to healthcare and social media? What are the things that you want to achieve? Well, you know, how do you want to make a difference, you know, next year? You know, and, and those those are the things that that I'm looking at myself and trying to do. I haven't figured it out yet, you know, and I have a few weeks left, you know, and, and I've really cut back, you know, on producing content uh, for you know one one reason or another. Or another. You know, the main thing is is that. You know, it just work has just been crazy. But I, you know, I've had this before. I just have to try to push through it and drive through it and try to find out. You know, you know, what are some of the things that I really want to achieve for next year in this space in healthcare social media? You know, that's what I want to try to push myself to do. Um, and, and, and this filtering problem, you know, that I'm having. You know, maybe other people have uh, you know some tips on how to do that. You know, go to familymedicinerocks.com and, and, and give me some tips <laughs> on how to deal with all this content that is out there and how to try to weed through and figure out, you know, what is the good content and, and, and what is the not so good content. If people could help me with that, you know, I, I would be uh, I would be very appreciative. <laughs> um, I blabbered on about this enough. Uh, let's uh, let's take a break here and. Uh, I'm going to talk about some uh, news stories here uh, from the past week. And uh, you're listening to the uh, Family Medicine uh, Rocks uh, podcast right here on a Sunday night here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. And we'll be right back. That's right, social media through the eyes of a family physician. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network on a Sunday night. You know, and I've been struggling here with this Skype. You know, come on, Skype, you know. Uh, and I've been using this app, uh, this add-on called a Call Recorder um, on the on the Skype here to try to record some video because I like to put a video on my site, but I've been having difficulty 
recording the video. I don't know if it's it's just this this thing here. I'm not sure. I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, anyway, so uh, so let's let's let's, uh, let's talk about some uh, news stories here uh, from the uh, from the past week that I thought uh, was interesting. Uh, and uh, the first story here um, has to uh, has to has to do with here's the title. This is from Reuters. This is from Friday, December 2, 2011. The title is 219-pound boy shows growing problem of extreme obesity. Let me say that again. Uh, A 219-pound boy shows a growing problem. Here's the story. The case of a 219-pound 8-year-old boy taken from his mother for health reasons, spotlights a problem that has almost tripled in the United States in the past 30 years, cases of extreme child obesity. This is a quote here at the beginning. Not only do we have a higher percentage of kids who are obese, but a higher percentage of children who are severely obese, said Dr. Gary Sigmund, Director of Adolescent Medicine and Associate Professor of Pediatrics at Loyola University Medical Center near Chicago, in an interview with Reuters, according to the uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, approximately 17% or 12.5 million of children and adolescents aged 2 to 19 are obese as opposed to merely overweight. Obesity in children is defined by the CDC as having a body mass index of above the 95th percentile. About 2 million of U.S. children have a BMI beyond the 99th percentile. The Cleveland area boy's mother petitioned a state court two weeks ago to retain custody, but on November 14th, a judge agreed with the Cuyahoga County Department Chair of Family uh, Children of Family Services that the boy, an honor student who gained 60 pounds in the past year, 60 pounds in the past year, should not be returned to his home due to concerns for his health. The next custody hearing is set for a month. So what do you think about this there, kids? Took the uh, took the kid. Huh. Wow. I mean, that is just uh, – the article goes on to say, this is the first time an Ohio child has been removed uh, from the patient's custody, primarily due to weight concerns. Uh, the court reports show that the boy has seen an endocrinologist, nutri- nutritionist experts, and a sleep clinic in order, in order – and efforts to uh, decrease his weight, um, that's, that's, that's a big case. I mean, it's locally here. I mean, it, it is getting some local attention here that this uh, this kid is being, uh, you know, taken from his mom because he's gained 60 pounds in a, in, in a, uh, in a, in a month. Right? Now it's got to be in a year. Yeah, 60 pounds in a year. I mean, that's huge. I mean, I don't know. Is 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 this something that that uh, that the government should be should be uh, getting into? The, the court should be getting into sixty pounds in a year. A two hundred nineteen pound eight year eight year old boy. I mean, yeah, that, that is kind of excessive. You know, just going to have to see what happens with this case. I mean, it's gotten a lot of attention around here, and uh, we'll see uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But this this problem of childhood obesity. You know, something that is in the press a lot, and it's going to be in the press a lot in the future as well. So we'll be watching this here very, very closely. And along with that, <laughs> here's kind of a companion story to that. 
This is from the, the DailyMeal.com. The title is Burger King Joins McDonald's in Skirting Toy Ban. San Francisco's toy ban, which prohibits the free toy giveaway with kids' meals, kicked off yesterday. In response, McDonald's started its sneaky campaign to work around the ban. Mickey D's is charging $0.10 cents for Happy Meal toys. The proceeds will go to the Ronald McDonald House charity. Now, Burger King has joined in the uh, ban skirting side. The second largest burger chain is also charging $0.10 cents a toy, but they have yet to decide what to do with the extra money. The ban stops change from toy giveaways with children menu items that don't meet nutritional standards. <laughs> so people are already trying to get around this toy ban, you know. I mean, a lot of people have said, "Hey, that's 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 how you that's how you get people to to uh to get around going to uh, these fast food joints is, is to ban them giving free toys out." And I guess now you only have to give uh, 10 cents uh, for that. Our next story here comes from the USA Today. The title is uh, "Violent Video Games May Alter Brain Function." This is a kid-themed uh, thing here tonight. Uh, when young men who don't normally play a video game are exposed to violent video games, uh, ch- changes occur in a way that alters brain function, new research shows. Using uh, MRI, scientists were able to document altered brain responses after video game play. What's more, some of those changes were still present a week later. We found functioning has been changed in the brain by violent video games, the researcher says. We found that activation of uh, one-eighth of the area of the brain that controls emotion uh, is decreased after playing video games. Exactly what those changes mean, if anything, is still known. That's like paragraph four. (laughs) We don't know what the changes mean. (laughs) Clinically, we don't know what these changes mean, the researcher says, but it does affect your brain somehow. The pattern is, uh, we found is similar to what we've seen in past research, and in adolescence is similar to what is seen in disruptive behavior disorders. Another person says, this study is a good first step. You know, I mean, they have this title here, Violent Video Games May Alter Brain Function, and then about halfway through the article they say, well, we don't know what it means. What is going on with that? <laughs> uh, at the end of the article, they have uh, a... Uh, a link here to the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. Learn more about how violent video games affect children. And there's a link there. But that's from the USA Today. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, here's another interesting story here. This is from the LA Times. This is from December 2. The title is, What Are You Doing on the Web? Most Under 30 Are Wasting Time, Of Course. The Internet is one of the greatest inventions of all time, allowing for nearly instantaneous sharing of information that the world has never come to know previously. But for most people under the age of 30 in the U.S., the web is most likely a time killer, according to a new study from Pew Research Center's Internet and American Life Project. The researcher says Americans are increasingly going online for just fun and to pass the time. On a given day, 53% of young adults 18 to 29 go online for no particular reason except to have fun or to pass the time. Well, that can extend off to this demographic, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, they go on to say many of them go online in purposeful ways as well, but uh, the results of a survey uh, showed that young adults' use of Internet uh, can be at times 
for the diversion it presents. Indeed, 81% of adults in this age cohort report that they have used the Internet for this reason at least occasionally. So, uh, yeah, wasting time out there on the Internet. (laughs) Uh, Let's see what else I have here. Well, I have some audio clips here. These are like less than serious stories here. Uh, well, actually, the first one is. And this, now, this first one has to do with uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, and a, uh, a lawsuit that is uh, going on um, out there. They are, uh, I believe it's an elementary school, and uh, they are rejecting a student uh, because of his HIV status. Uh, here's the audio clip from the Associated Press. A private boarding school connected with the Hershey Chocolate Company has come under fire for denying admission to a 13-year-old student because he's HIV positive. The student was not admitted because he was HIV positive? That's, that's correct. And, and we, it was a very challenging decision for us to make. But we have to balance the needs of an individual, our desire to serve the needs of an individual, with our obligation to protect the health and safety of the 1,850 students already here. Milton Hershey School educates disadvantaged children from pre-kindergarten through high school, and its students live in homes with as many as 12 others. The AIDS Law Project of Pennsylvania has filed a lawsuit on behalf of the student who was rejected by Hershey, claiming that the school is violating the Americans with Disabilities Act. It's an incorrect reading of the law to think that a private school isn't bound by the same laws that we are all bound by. Rhonda Goldfine is the teen's attorney. She says her client doesn't require any special accommodations and that his HIV is controlled with medication. We're still dealing with this level of fear and hysteria. All the medical literature is clear. This boy presents no risk to anyone at the school. School officials say they were planning to ask for a declaratory judgment from the district court on legal issues surrounding the case when the AIDS Law Project decided to file a lawsuit. Sandy Kozell, the Associated Press. So I think those, uh, that school out there is in big, big trouble. <laughs> I know they, that they have uh, stated uh, their policy and their decision about what they're going to do with this student, but uh, I don't think they've uh, seen uh, the last of this. Uh, my prediction is that they're going to cave in and uh, probably going to eventually let this student in. Um, and a couple of other uh, sound bites here. Um, one here is <laughs> another one here from Ohio. Ohio uh, loaded up uh, news file here. <laughs> this is an entertaining story of somebody, and I think it's close to this uh, location here at Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters, uh, of a, a guy who catches a thief in his house, I believe, and what he does with him. When police in Athens, Ohio, were called to investigate a robbery, they were surprised to find that the apparent victim may have cut that investigation short. Uh, during our investigation, the homeowner uh, pulled up in a vehicle and had the suspect hogtied in the back of the car. The victim told police that his home was robbed not once, but twice on Thursday. The first go-round, the robber took his video game systems then when the man came home to find the robber, he recognized him, chased him up into the woods, couldn't find him there. I think he knew where he lived, so he went to the residence and at that point subdued him, hogtied him, and put him in the back of his car and delivered him to my deputies. 
WBNS-TV says the robber will be indicted by a grand jury on a felony burglary charge. Well, under the Castle Doctrine, you have the right to protect your property and your life. Um, and that's what this man felt like he did. Because of that right, police say they won't press charges against the homeowner. Matt Small, the Associated Press. So he catches this guy, and he ties him up till the police arrive. I mean, just... I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> uh, what do you think about that? Go to familymedicinerocks.com and uh, let me know what you think of that story. Uh, here's our last uh, audio clip here. And, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, you know, it is the holiday season. And, uh, you know, I don't even know that Shanghai also celebrates uh, Christmas. Uh, but uh, this is what... This is what they did out there uh, when it came to uh, making this huge, what they call a uh, Christmas log. Christmas log, yeah. Here's the Associated Press. Recognition for the world's longest Christmas log goes to China and the team from the kitchen of the Pudong Shangri-La Hotel in Shanghai. They were out to beat a record set in Paris a year ago for a cake that measured just under 208 meters, some 682 feet. Chung Dong, a representative for Guinness World Records, said about tallying up the length of the challenger, they'd been aiming for a cake 888 meters, but what would the actual numbers be? Chung would make the official announcement, which was eagerly anticipated. Christmas log is 1,068 meters. Applause and wide grins greeted word the cake had surpassed a kilometer in length, more than 3,500 feet long. The hotel received a certificate as well that went to the team, including executive chef Ulrich Yablonka and pastry chef Yusuf Yaran. Their creation needed more than 900 organic eggs, 1,045 kilos of flour, 209 kilos of sugar, and 633 liters of fresh cream. Yablanka said the planning was the toughest part of the whole process. Yaron said as far as the recipe goes, it's the frosting that helps make the cake special. So we made the sponge, we baked, and then when it's cooled down, we made our uh, vanilla cream mixture inside. We rolled them up and we made our very secretly safer of chocolate frosting and with all over the cake and we had our candy decorations and some uh, icing sugar over the top. But the proof is in the eating. What would the public think? Six-year-old cancer sufferer Yu Qingyi certainly approved. It's very tasty, very delicious. It's as long as the Great Wall. It's really delicious. The hotel was selling cake slices for two yuan apiece, the equivalent of 30 U.S. cents. The proceeds will help children undergoing chemotherapy. Karen Sloan, The Associated Press. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's for a good cause, you know. I mean, uh, obviously, since this is an audio podcast, you couldn't see it. But if you go to YouTube, that's where I get all my audio clips. YouTube. The uh, Associated Press link uh, over there, and uh, it's uh, pretty impressive, actually. Uh, one last story here, then we'll uh, take uh, take our last break here. And uh, this is from uh, November 29 uh, from ABC News. 
the title is Can Wi-Fi Kill Your Sperm? That's right. Can Wi-Fi Kill Your Sperm? The story goes like this. Attention all men. You may want to keep your laptop, smartphones, and other Internet browsing tools away from your family jewels. A new study, albeit a small one, suggests that using Wi-Fi may damage your sperm and decrease a man's fertility. The cause, according to Reuters Health, is electromagnetic radiation generated by wireless communication. That's right, kids. In this study published in the journal Fertility and Sterility, researchers took semen samples from 29 healthy volunteers. That would have been fun. (laughs) And placed them under a Wi-Fi-enabled laptop connected to the Internet. After four hours, the semen suffered... 25% of the sperm were no longer swimming, and 9% of them showed DNA damage. Semen samples kept near a laptop that was turned on but not connected to the Internet showed minimal damage, as did samples that were stored separately. Here's one of the researchers, quote, Our data suggests that the use of a laptop computer wirelessly connected to the Internet and positioned near the male reproductive organs may decrease Human sperm quality. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. They were unsure if their findings extended to all wireless devices or if there were other conditions affecting sperm quality. The findings fuel anxiety for millions of men who keep a number of Wi-Fi-enabled devices on their laps, in their pockets, and in close proximity to their nether regions. I didn't say that. That's written in there. According to the American Urological Association, nearly one in six couples have fertility conceiving, uh, difficulty conceiving. Uh, About half the time, uh, the man's fertility is the problem. There you go, kids. Who wrote this? A female wrote this, of course. For optimal fertility, a man uh, should have about 70 million sperm per milliliter. Uh, Some researchers have found that uh, environmental factors can lower sperm counts to this level. A study published uh, in early November indicated that the heat generated by holding a laptop on the knees was enough to raise testicle temperatures to dangerous sperm-damaging levels even after 10 to 15 minutes. (laughs) So there you go, kids. Get your laptops out of your lap. That's the other thing for this story. <laughs> oh, man, I love doing this job. This is just, I love podcasting. This is so much fun. All right, I'm going to take one more break here. Right after the break here, Feeling Medicine Rocks. Why does it rock? I will tell you something from my job last week. We'll be right back here on the Feeling Medicine Rocks podcast live on a Sunday night here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Don't go anywhere. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more.
everywhere on social media through the eyes of a family physician. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. And our last segment here uh, this evening, Family Medicine Rocks. That's why. You know, why is that? <laughs> I will tell you something here. One of the cool things of my job, and, and one of the cool things about family medicine, is there's family. Duh. I love taking care of patients, you know, from the whole spectrum. You know, the, the, one of the buzzwords is from cradle to grave, you know. Uh, but it's cool. It's cool, you know, seeing people in the office and say, hey, you know, how is, how are your kids? How's your husband? How's your wife? How's your mom doing, you know? Well, trying to catch up with them during the office day. Just curious and saying, oh, I didn't know that, you know, that Bill lost his job last month. You know, how, how's he doing with that? Should he come and see me? Are they, is, 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 is you know, are his blood sugars all out of whack? You know, has he, has he, you know, uh, uh, has he been real depressed? You know, maybe he should come and see me, you know? And during this holiday time, you know, one of the things that, that is, uh, I find very gratifying are, are, are learning about patients, learning about patients' families, learning about traditions. Uh, when it comes to holiday time, last week was the week after Thanksgiving, and uh, it's always nice, you know, uh, hearing uh, about people's stories uh, at, at Thanksgiving. Not only how people eat too much, questions about tryptophan, you know, all that kind of stuff, but but uh, you know, learning about you know either going out of town to visit family or family coming in town and coming home uh, to uh, to the family. Uh, and, and what that experience is like, and what's it like, uh, you know, growing up in this area here and uh, at the Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters in this community here. What is it like? You know, what is it like now? What was it like, you know, 60 years ago when you were a kid in this community? What were kind of the, some of the things that were going on? What, you know, what were the, the stores downtown uh, that people were shopping at that are no longer there or that are different stores now? What kind of things do you do during Thanksgiving? What, what are some of the other type of traditions that you have? What are some of the other type of foods that you have during your Thanksgiving celebration? Uh, what kind of stories do you have about going shopping, you know, the day after Thanksgiving, um, you know, and, and those type of things? So a, a lot of people, especially around here, you know, they have their high school reunions uh, during uh, Thanksgiving weekend because they know a lot of people are going to be home you know what are what is that like uh and going into uh you know the holiday season now whether it's you know Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever uh, holiday that you celebrate what well, what are some of your personal uh traditions what are your some of your family traditions what are your memories um and you know I I get bits and pieces of that you know when I visit with my patients when I talk to them um, about, you know, not only what they've come in for today, but just to kind of try to, you know, uh, put some things in context. And, and that's why Family Medicine rocks. That's why I love my job, to try to, you know, put some of that stuff, you know, together, you know. And, uh, you know, this evening, uh, the uh, the healthcare social media chat here, uh, they, uh, you know, one of the things they asked, you know, for people starting out in social media, uh, you know, well, what advice do you have, you know? And, uh, um, you know, I, I just put up there, and just like during an office visit, you know, you should listen more than you talk. 
you know, you should listen to the patient. You should listen to families. You should, you know, listen because there's, there's something that you can maybe pick up, you know, during that interaction, during that office visit. That, that Not only that you can help them as a patient, but you can maybe help them as a person. You can maybe help somebody in their family. Uh, and and that that is why I enjoy my job. That is why I love my job. Uh, to to share those moments like that, to 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 share moments and, and put them together through a course of a year or through the course of two years or through a course of a lifetime, and say, hey, you know, and I've been able to follow this person, this patient, uh, for a long time. That that I have um, insights to this person that nobody else may know about, or or I have I I have knowledge. I can try to connect the dots. Uh, for people to to try to help them, uh, not only from a health standpoint, but but maybe something else in their life. Um, that's why I love my job. That's why family medicine rocks there. So what do you think about that, kids? <laughs> oh, that, that was just kind of off the cuff here tonight. So, uh, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's uh, I kind of like that last segment. That, that was pretty cool. What, what do you think about it? Go to familymedicinerocks.com and uh, let me know what that is. So. Um, uh, so closing up here, you know, I have uh, less than uh, five minutes left, and, um, you know, I, I'm trying to retool this podcast. I'm trying to retool the format of this thing uh, and uh, trying to find something that's comfortable. Maybe I'm maybe I th- I'm thinking about maybe rebranding this podcast again, calling it something else, rebranding again the, the website or the blog, trying to make it fresh and new. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. If people have suggestions, go to familymedicinerocks.com and, uh, you know, leave me a comment over there and, uh, you know, let me know. Let me know what you think. Or maybe nobody even listens to this show at all. But but I know that I enjoy it because, uh, you know, it, it helps me. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do this on Sunday nights. You know, I I don't know. I, I was going to do this last night, but, I you know, like I said before, I fell asleep. <laughs> Uh, so, so I'm trying to retool. I'm trying to get ready for January here. I'm trying to get back into the groove of this podcast thing and, and trying to produce content. So, uh, so I appreciate everybody listening live tonight or on the download um, or on the podcast here. Uh, I welcome anybody's uh, suggestions. Go to familymedicinerocks.com and uh, check out some of my stuff over there. Uh, leave me a comment. You can follow me on Twitter at dr. Uh, Dr. Uh, Mike Sabella, and uh, yeah, let me know. You know, it's uh, even if I'm just here talking to myself, <laughs> I know that I'm having a good time. I hope that you at least find this here as some uh, some entertainment, uh, some uh, information, informative, all that good stuff there. So uh, I do have some time for a song here to, to end this uh, evening. So I will uh, I will play this uh, song here, and um, then I will uh, say good night. So uh, my name is uh, Mike Sabella. And this is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. You can go to familymedicinerocks.com and uh, check out my stuff over there. Leave me a comment. Hey, everybody, uh, I, th- I think I'm going to do a, a podcast next week, too. So uh, we'll try to get back in the groove of these things. Have a great week, and uh, I will talk to everybody out there uh, later. See you out there on the internet. Have a good week, everybody. See you later.